The 100% Sports Podcast is brought to you by Colleen's Irish Mustard. Colleen's Irish Mustard combines mustard haters and mustard lovers all around the world. For more information on this amazing product, visit www.irishmustard.com. Welcome to the 100% Sports Podcast. In today's episode, we will talk about the tragic death of Kobe Bryant, the super up-and-coming Super Bowl, and the Detroit Tigers and Red Wings farm system. So don't go away. Welcome back to the 100% Sports Podcast. The co-host, Nathan Sabo, is here. Nathan, how does it feel to start your final semester as a high schooler? Well, that just means I'm one day closer to starting life, but it means I'm also one day closer to being a, a CMU Chippewa, which I cannot wait for. And, uh, you know, it's been a tough year so far, senior year, not going to lie. I've been slacking off a little bit. Probably going to get a little worse, and I'm going to give you some advice. Senioritis <laughs> is a thing. It really is. So just, uh, yeah, try your best. But, no, I'm happy. I cannot wait to get get up to Mount Pleasant and start college there for sure. All right. Sounds great. And we're going to start off with, of course, what everyone's talking about, the tragic death of Kobe Bryant. Start us off, Nathan. Yeah, no. Tate starts the show with some bad news, but everybody's talking about it, and rightfully so, you know. Uh, yesterday we lost a true legend shockingly to everybody comes out of nowhere that uh Kobe Bryant and uh, his daughter Gianna as well as seven other people on board a helicopter died in a helicopter crash in Calabasas California um yeah no this was shocking to hear and it's a tragedy for sure and the people that came out to Staples Center to mourn the loss of Kobe it's just amazing and you know, when I think of it now, I, I'm I'm not even thinking about Kobe as a basketball player. I'm thinking about what a great person he was. And the saddest thing to me is obviously his daughter he was going to carry on his legacy and that she was also involved in the crash, which is just truly heartbreaking. But Kobe Bryant, yeah, he, what he did on the court was amazing. But it was what he was going to do after his career about, you know, his next greatest act from what I was I was hearing. And it was true, whether it's from creating the Mamba Sports Academy that his daughter was involved in for, you know, young children across Southern California. And it's just absolutely gut-wrenching and sad to hear such a loss and obviously comes out of nowhere. I think what made it worse for people, especially me, is the fact that, you know, a lot of people were talking about Kobe Bryant at the time because the night before LeBron James had just passed him on the all-time scoring list. So, and that night he sent a tweet to LeBron saying congrats. And, you know, it's just, it's truly heartbreaking. You know, I'm still in shock. I'm not going to lie. When I find out, found out I was devastated. I couldn't believe it, you know, because to, to a lot of people, he was their Michael Jordan. You know, I'm fortunate enough to at least have remember watching Kobe for a couple of years. Um, and, you know, my biggest takeaway from watching him was my biggest memory from him is when he dropped, 61 points in his final game final laker game but no overall terrible tragedy and for his daughter to be in it too i i just my thoughts and prayers 
go out to Kobe's family as well as the others that were on board too, their family. And uh, yeah, just terrible news yesterday. Yeah, it really sucked. I was shocked when I heard it. I had to do a double take of it. I still can't fathom that uh, he's dead and gone because no one really expected. I think that's why this the whole basketball community is such in shock is no one expected to hear about Kobe Bryant dying at all and on on yesterday or Sunday. So it, it sucks to hear from, and I think the basketball game itself is going to grow. I thought with, with Kobe Bryant doing things elsewhere with the players and stuff like that, and I also liked all the sign of respect from all the across the NBA with teams taking the 24-second shot clock violation at the beginning because of the number 24 of Kobe Bryant and even Trey Young taking the eight second backcourt violation at the mm-hmm. beginning of the game which was definitely cool because no one really did that besides Trey Young he did change his number to eight for that game so it's it sucks thoughts and prayers go out to the Bryant family and basically all of best and basically to the Laker family too because they lost a big part and he really was a big part of that of that city of city of LA so it really sucks to hear from so uh yeah i think we'll move on to a little bit more cheerful topic that the super bowl is this weekend super bowl 54 Kansas City Chiefs and you read finally got over that hump made it to the super bowl and he'll be taking on Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers. I'm going to start us off. These two offenses are totally different. You know, the Chiefs pass first with Patrick Mahomes, third total offense, second passing offense compared to the 49ers, who are more of a rushing offense. They're first in the rushing, rushing offense, seventh total offense, and 12th passing offense this year and it's going to be I don't, I don't really know what's going to come down to I think maybe it comes down to the what defense is going to stop what is Kansas City's defense going to stop the rush of San Francisco because that's what their defense is mainly based off of unless Jimmy Garoppolo can make some passes early in the game and can the and can the 49ers get pressure enough to Patrick Mahomes where he doesn't make the plays downfield to Tyreek Hill and all and McCole Hardman and all those weapons downfield that he has, even Travis Kelsey. So it's going to be interesting to see. I think we're going to see quite a bit of trick plays, like seeing Travis Kelsey take the wildcat in the in the inside the five that like he did against New England. So it's going to be really interesting. It's going to be a lot of buzz. We're going to see a lot of 49er legends there, Joe Montana. Jerry Rice, all those guys, because the 49ers are a historic franchise in the NFL. And defensively, 49ers are as good as it gets. First the overall or first defense, the number one overall defense in the league. The number one defense against the rush. So I mean, the 49ers defense is as good as it gets. I like what Salah is doing. Is that how you pronounce his name? Mr. Robert Sala from Fortson High School in Dearborn, my hometown. Oh yeah, I mean there is another Sala in the world. He's the uh, 
Egyptian. Mo Salah, the Egyptian king. That's my guy. Number 11, Liverpool, for all you people who do not follow football. Sorry. Soccer. Soccer, I meant to say. Continue on. (laughs) I like what he's doing with the defense, especially Nick Bosa and all those guys. But I am going to take the Chiefs in this one. I think Patrick Mahomes gets it done. I think Kansas City's offense is going to be too much. It's going to take a toll on San Francisco, I feel like. And I don't think that San Francisco can efficiently run the ball like they have in the last games. So, And Kansas City's offense is nothing that the 49ers have seen in these playoffs. The Vikings and the Packers' offenses aren't as near as good as Kansas City's. So I'm going to take the Chiefs. And one more thing I'd like to add before you get your thoughts out is of all the comparisons of the Lions being the 49ers next oh, year, it's, it's not <laughs> happening. It's not happening. The Lions, I don't like – I hate the comparison of the Lions being the next 49ers next year because, oh, Matt Stafford is hurt. Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo was hurt last year. They're going to have a top three pick. No, 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 no. Jimmy Garoppolo is way younger than injury-prone Matt Stafford the last few years. Uh, Lions defense absolutely sucked this year. They don't have an offensive line. They don't have a proven run game. They don't have a gr- an offensive guru as in Kyle Shanahan. So everyone, stop making that comparison because it's not happening. Yeah, no, well, you pretty much touched on most of everything um, to go on about that Lions point. As far as I'm concerned... Lions, I mean, if you really think they're going to be the next 49ers, well, then you need to get your head out of the gutter. Because as far as I'm concerned, they don't look like they're going anyway, anywhere anytime soon unless they decide to move on from quarterback, their head coach, their GM, and for their owner, for God's sake. Because one playoff <laughs> win in 62 years is not – no, I'm sorry. But to me, a good reasoning for this is they're the Lions, and that's a good reason because, again, one playoff <laughs> win in 62 freaking years. But uh, we're going to move on to more happier things, to Super Bowl mm-hmm. 54, something I will personally never experience with any joy because, again, the Lions. <laughs> That's true. You, you pretty much touched on everything. Now, the key, key to the game is going to be, you know, I think it's going to be high scoring. I hope it's high scoring. I hope it's in the 30s. I hope it's back and forth. But uh, over the last couple of games, Chiefs have come out to a slow start, but they, they're able to, you know, their offense can get together and start getting things going in one drive. You've seen Patrick Mahomes lay four touchdowns in the Texans a couple weeks ago. But I think if they get off to a fast start, I wouldn't even be worried if they get off to a fast start because they prove they can come back. But, no, the 49ers, their thing is run the ball, especially last week. And the Chiefs has passed the ball with Patrick Mahomes and the obviously uh, their receivers and Tyreek Hill, McCole Hardman, and my personally, my one of the uh, personally, the best tight end in the game, Travis Kelsey. Maybe George Kittle is there, but mm-hmm. that's, again, an argument for another day. Getting back to the Super Bowl, um, I, I'm, I'm excited. I think it's one of the most anticipated Super Bowls in recent years, partly because New England was not involved. But True. You know, I'm I'm rooting for Kansas City. I'm, I want Andy Reid to get that trophy. He, he deserves it with all the conference championships he's been. 
obviously the future for them, future for both teams really are are high with young quarterbacks and Kyle Shanahan, the offensive genius, going up against Andy Reid, the other offensive genius. And, you know, again, the key is going to be can 49ers stop? I don't think they can stop Patrick Mahomes, but can they contain him in the sense of, you know, not giving up four touchdowns in a quarter like the Texans did because they can blow up, they can blow up fast and put you away fast. Um, but overall, I'm going to take the Chiefs here. They're only favored by a point. I guess that's fair because, to be honest, I could honestly see either team winning, especially with how good San Francisco's looked in the playoffs so far. But I'm going to go with Kansas City. I just think that the offense overall is too dominant for that San Francisco defense to compete with. Um, and also another thing, you can get pressure on Patrick Mahomes, but once he gets outside the pocket, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the game and you know his ability to make throws is it's just amazing he's he's just not human from the things I see but I'm gonna go with Patrick Mahomes I think Andy Reid's gonna get that first Super Bowl win I think it'll be close but I'll, I'll take the Chiefs in Super Bowl 54 yep don't agree with there but the only thing that would make this Super Bowl even better if it's a close game and high scoring is a snow day after, on Monday after the Super Bowl. Oh, that, that, would, be the, that would be nice. Can, can, can America, can we please make Super Bowl Monday a holiday? I mean, I already know it's the most called-off day out of every workplace in America. Like, come on. Everybody watches the Super Bowl. There are a lot of people a little, you know, hungover, and uh, they don't <laughs> feel good the next day. So why not just make it a holiday? I, I don't see what's so bad about that. Me neither. I mean, another thing is, why don't they make, like, college football, the national championship game on a Saturday or... Yeah, that's a whole nother argument, and I agree with you there. That ticks me off. Or, why not... I mean, I understand that the the NFL is usually on Sundays, but why not just make it on a Saturday? I mean, seriously, come on. That, that's the point where I come from. You know, the NCAA, they say, oh, you know, they don't want to compete with the NFL. I guarantee you, if you put that LSU-Clemson game on Saturday night, the same time uh, who was playing Saturday night, I think it was the Ravens and the Titans, even though that was pretty much a blowout. I guarantee you that more people would watch LSU and Clemson, no doubt about it. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't worry too much if I'm the NCAA, but, you know, I don't see that changing anytime soon, sadly, because, again, the NFL holds the power over pretty much every other sporting league in the world. Yep, basically. We'll be right back with 100% Sports 100% Sports Podcast after these messages. All right, it's time for an update this week in sports. The NBA and people around the globe continue to mourn the tragic death of Kobe Bryant and his 13-year-old daughter Gianna, as well as the seven other people that tragically died in a helicopter crash Sunday morning in Calabasas, California. The NTSB is continuing their investigation in the cause of the crash is still yet unknown, although sources say it was very foggy in the area, which could have played a role into the crash. In other news, the youngest ever American soccer player, Gio Reyna, made his debut in the German Bundesliga for, ter- for Team Borussia Dortmund. And in my opinion, that's going to help out that young U.S. side. Very young team, up and coming, hopefully going to qualify for the 2022 World Cup. In other news, 
more local news, or what would have been local news, former Tiger Nick Castellanos signed a four-year, $64 million deal with the Cincinnati Reds. Once again, another former Tiger leaving to go to somewhere else. I don't blame him. And uh, last but not least, Michigan basketball player, senior Xavier Simpson has been suspended for one game due to violating team rules. And also, don't forget, Super Bowl 54 is on Sunday, February 2nd. That game kicks off at the usual Super Bowl time, 6.30. The Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers, the Kansas City Chiefs, are a one-point favorite. That's it for this week in sports. Welcome back to the 100% Sports Podcast. Hope you guys still like the week in sports segment that we've added last week. And breaking news coming out of ESPN that the Clippers and Lakers game that was scheduled for tomorrow has been postponed due to the death of Kobe Bryant because he meant so much to the city of LA. No date has been set or no date has been announced for the game with between the Lakers and the Clippers. But something else that I would like to point out, I made the trip to Ann Arbor this weekend with my dad to watch the Michigan basketball game as they took on Illinois. Thank you for my uncle and cousin and get giving up their tickets for a game. Uh, it was one of my Christmas gifts, so thank you very much. And while I was at that game, uh, there was a big buzz coming around from Chrysler because there was the return of 15-point score and 50% three-point shooter Isaiah Livers, who they desperately needed in the last few weeks or so. And if they had him, they may have won two or three more games. However, Isaiah Livers went up for a dunk about, I would say, about six minutes into the second half. And he missed the dunk. And he didn't re-injure his growing, but he had some hip flexor problem, so he didn't return in the game, which really started to take the air out of out of the building. But not, o- not only was Isaiah Livers the big buzz, but there were a lot of former alumni there. Jimmy King, who was to my left about a row or two down, he was their former Fab Five member. And then Michigan's all-time leading scorer, Glenn Rice, was there. And then not only is that, Austin Hatch was there. If you don't know the story on him, you might want to see it. They did an E60 on him about two, three years ago. Basically, he got a scholarship to Michigan to play basketball. One heck of a shooter, one of one heck of a basketball player. But he ended up surviving two plane crashes, and the second one really messed up with him, so he never played basketball. But not only that, the one and only God, Jimmy Harbaugh, was in the building. Woo-hoo! Oh, yeah, Jimmy. And then his great defensive coordinator, Don Brown. Give it up for those two. Those guys were there as they had a lot of recruits taking visits. Uh, A local guy, Giovanni El Hadi, was there from Stevenson High School. I played basketball against them. And then we we didn't win, but it was (laughs) – I I had some moments in that game against that guy. And then uh, five-star commit. Both, both those guys, Giovanni and now the guy I'm about to talk about, are commits in the 2021 class. Five-star commit, J.J. McCarthy was in the house. A few kids from Clarkston were there. A lot, it was mainly a lot of local guys, but all those guys were there. But, man, it was a great time in Chrysler. 
except for the one guy who sat next to me whose breath smelt terrible and complained about every little thing. So, yeah, that part was great. I just wanted to touch on that because Michigan played a lot better in the basketball, in that basketball game, and Michigan is mainly a basketball school now, despite this season, the way it's gone. A lot of good height for next year with the fourth-rated recruiting class, overall recruiting class, and it could possibly be better with Josh Christopher. So, Josh Christopher, if you're listening, just commit while you're at it. Come on, buddy, just commit while you're at it. Michigan needs you, man. Michigan needs you. Other than that, that's all I really wanted to point out. So, if you're a Michigan fan listening to this, there is no pan. I don't think there's any panic for Juwan Howard. Despite the start that he had, I think the reason a lot of Michigan fans are panicking are because they peaked so early with North Carolina and Gonzaga beating them, and they ranked number four, and they lost a lot of games recently. But, I mean, Izzo started off poorly at Michigan State. Beeline started off poorly at Michigan. So, no need to panic Michigan fans. But we want to talk about a little bit more with the Detroit farm systems because that's basically all our hope is here in the, the wonderful city of Detroit because our team's below. They're absolutely abysmal. But the Tigers, I have seen rankings of multiple sources of rankings as high as 6 to as low as 12 in that range because they also have pitcher Casey Myers, we drafted from Auburn a few years ago with number one overall pick. Do have number number one overall pick again this year, so that's good. Uh, pitcher Matt Manning, they picked up Riley Green in the draft, and so those are three good pieces. But basically, they have a good pitching, a lot of pitching prospects down there, but not enough positional talent. Riley Green is probably the best one. Nathan, give me your thoughts on the Detroit Tigers farm system. Yeah, overall, you hit it on the, on the nail on the head right there. Uh, the biggest thing is they have tremendous pitching talent in their farm system. And every farm system, you need to have this amount of pitching talent because a lot of times in baseball, you will have a Matt Manning, Casey Mize, and uh, who is the other guy, Bo Burrows, and one of them will turn out to be good. That's that's a crapshoot with baseball, you know, and especially pitchers, they're ticking time bombs. I hate to say it, but they are. Look at Michael Fulmer, what happened to him. Now, there's no guarantee how good he's going to be when he comes back, but again, a lot of times pitchers are bound to blow their arm out or have issues, and that's the number one thing that I think a lot of uh, the MLB teams look to. They stack up on pitching prospects, because the odds are only one out of every four or five is going to turn out to be even a decent player. So I think that is a positive for sure with their farm system. Obviously, Casey Mize being the big guy there coming out of Auburn, it, he pitched tremendous last year. I think he had an ERA just over one at Erie through a no-hitter as well. And I think well, which was his first game or something crazy. But again, there's no guarantee that'll – come over to the he'll come to the MLB and have the same success now I hope to God he does because again we need something forward to look forward to uh in the summer when watching this Tigers team but no uh you know the MLB just released their top 100 prospects for the uh 2020 baseball year it updates um updates throughout the year as well uh, Casey Mize landed himself in number seven Matt Manning 27 
Riley Green, the young outfielder prospect they drafted last year, he landed at 46, which is kind of a shock because he's still he's very young and he's going to take some time to get get going. I, I wouldn't be surprised three, maybe even four years, it'll take him to get to the major leagues. That's just how it is in baseball. Um, uh, another player, T- Tark Skubal, who I'm not going to lie, I do not know much about him. He landed himself number 74, another good pitching prospect for the Tigers, but the biggest thing coming into this year's draft with obviously the number one overall pick once again is position players, and that's going to be the biggest thing to stock up on. You know, they got the pitching. There's no guarantee any of it's going to, you know, work out because, again, like I said, one out of every four or five will turn out, so that's a good thing, but they need some position players, and when Alavila came out a couple months ago and cannot believe to uh, remember the life of me what he said but he said something about spending money or ready to compete in a year or two and yeah no you're you're completely oblivious to the fact of what is being put out on the field now they made a couple free agent signings this year that hopefully will not make them as bad as they were last year there there comes a point where losing is fine to get better draft status i'm okay with that but when you're losing you know games 11 to 2 10 to 1 you know you're not even really trying and they're putting you know basically what would be triple a talent on other teams out on the field it's just kind of embarrassing so i'm glad with the couple signings they had i hopefully it will not be as bad as last year um but again i don't expect it to be much better either uh I will not be surprised. I expect them to lose 100 games again. Not as not as much as last year, which I believe was like 114 or something crazy. I don't even remember. They won only 47 games, so. Yeah, so there, you do the math. I, I don't even, uh, what is that, 115 losses? Yeah, so, um, yeah, uh, that's going to be the biggest thing. Their farm system, from where it was five years ago when, you know, uh, Mike Illich was spending money here and there to get everybody because he, he loved baseball. That was his thing. He wanted them to win to where they are now. There is improvement, but I, for some reason, I just do not have any uh, trust in Alavila that he's really going to get this thing done because it's going to take time. It's going to take another three, four, five years, and these things cannot be rushed. So, And then looking back at the trades he's made have not exactly looked great, especially the Justin Verlander one who went on to win World Series, controversy or not, with the allegations over the last couple weeks, and another Cy Young Young Award. He got back Daz Cameron, who he's not really shown to prove anything. He's basically hitting near 200 at Toledo all last year and, and lower down in the system. And then uh, Franklin Perez, who was supposed to be this uh, tremendous bullpen arm, has been plagued with injuries. So, you know, the trades do not look good from that aspect. But the biggest thing here is building the draft, get the position players. That's about it. It's going to take time. I'm going to stop babbling on about the Tigers. Uh, you got anything else to say? Um, No, not really. I mean, the Tigers – they're at the basement. They're for sure at the basement, a little bit underground than the basement of the of the MLB. But let's move on to another Mike Illich franchise. This team has much has had a lot better hit, lot of, a lot better track record. Not recently, but they've had the '90s, bit of the 2000s in there as well. 
But they kind of suck now. I think they're about a little more than below the basement. This the oh yes, for sure. Is the Detroit Red Wings? Woohoo! Um, I know that's. I was shocked when they drafted Mo Sider. I didn't think they should have drafted Mo Sider, but he turns out to be a German beast. So what do I know about hockey? Then the one of the best, arguably one of the best GMs in Stevie Y. And I just want to point a little side note here. Last week, I watched a YouTube video on the fall of the empire of the Detroit Red, the fall of the Detroit Red Wings, which this guy also did a thing on the Tigers about how they paid so much money, but was unable to deliver a championship to the city. Is he said the day that the Tigers fell apart or start the decline of the Tiger, or excuse me, the Red Wings, the decline of the Red Wings were when they let go of Steve Eiserman, who went to Tampa. And the guy continuously said, this is about two years ago, said that Stevie Y would never come back. And I immediately went in the comment section and said, Stevie Y is here. And I was a little late to the party, but whatever. <laughs> and Stevie Y, I think he's done, he's at least drafted well in this first draft. Robbie Fabry seems to be a decent piece. not Nothing special, but for what they traded for, he they definitely got a, a lot better return than what they traded for. So that's about it About it for my part. I know you're a big hockey guy, so take over with the one and only Detroit Red Wings. Yeah. Um, what was that? I believe it was last April when the news came out that uh, Steve Y was coming to the Red Wings. We kind of thought of that the year before. I remember in, early in the season he announced he was stepping down from his GM role at Tampa, so, you know, kind of hinted at the fact that, you know, he'd be coming back, and his family still lived here, too, so I, personally, I never thought he would not come back, I always thought he kind of would, I, I realized that him leaving to go to Tampa about 10 years ago, that was him learning his ways, getting his ground, and then he'd come back and save the Red Wings, as it seems <laughs> like it's going to be, but, no, the biggest thing here that he stresses, and I agree with him 100 percent completely, it's going to take time and patience. And they are at rock bottom right now. They are absolutely terrible. Let's be honest. Their goal differential is near minus 80 now. Jeez. 30 or 40 goals away, 50 goals away from the nearest team. It's just they're bad. They're absolutely terrible. They're losing games four nothing, four to one, six one. You know, and th- there's no way they're not going to have the best odds going in for the draft lottery. Because, again, the NHL has a lottery. It's not like NFL and MLB where the worst team gets the number one overall pick. Now, if they go into the – at the end of the year, they'll have, I believe, 18% chance of getting the number one overall pick if they finish last, which I'm presuming they will. And, you know, over the past three or four years, they have not gotten the best in the draft lottery. They've True. actually dropped – a couple spots over the last couple of years. So hopefully this year they do not. Um, but they are guaranteed a top three pick, I believe, if they finish worse. So the worst they could get is number three overall. But I'm hoping they get num- the number one or, or even number two spots I'd be happy with because the, uh, the two guys this year, especially the number one guy, Alexis Lafreniere from uh, Canada, is supposedly, you know, the Jack Hughes of this draft. And, even the number two, number two overall pick projected to be Quentin Byfield, another Canadian. Very, very, very um, Canadian 
a lot of good Canadians in this draft, and uh, whereas last year was more of the Americans. But no, I would be happy if they get one or two. Hopefully, hopefully they can get lucky for once because the last couple of years hasn't been. But yeah, we'll see. But overall, that's for the draft. Now looking at their farm system right now, um, look, they're in a lot better shape than the Tigers are. Let me tell you that much. The Red Wings at least have a lot of young talent on their team now with Mantha and Larkin and uh, Zadina and Bertu- especially Bertuzzi, who has stepped up magnificently this year. Awesome. But, uh, they, they, yeah, they, they have a foundation built. Now, I will not be shocked <laughs> if in the next year or two that Stevie Y decides to trade Anthony Mantha or Dylan Larkin. And I will not be shocked if that happens at all because when he was in Tampa, he traded away, I believe, Vincent LeCavalier who was loved by the fans there and, you know, didn't agree with the move. But again, it, it he also got rid of Mark Tan St. Louis, who uh, I believe he traded to the Rangers. But again, another guy who was loved there. So won't be surprised if that happens at all. But overall, the farm system, I had no issue with him taking most cider in last year's draft. I, w- I was shocked, I'm not going to lie, but their biggest need is they needed defensemen because they had truly nobody promising in their prospect farm system. Up until now, with Mo Sider, who has been absolutely amazing coming over from Germany in his first year in America, adjusting to the game. Um, another guy who is looking to show some great progress in Grand Rapids, Joe Valeno. He showed tremendous progress in the World Juniors with Canada over uh, about a month ago. Um, so, you know, th- there are guys there. I-, I wouldn't be worried too much, but again, it- it's going to take time. They're nowhere near where they're going to be in five years, hopefully. They, it's going to take time, and hope, hopefully in five years they will be contending for a playoff spot, which I, I think they will. But uh, also another big step up this year is Adina finally uh, getting his role on the team. It looks like he's going to be here uh, for sure. Um, I believe he's got six or seven goals on the air to put up with the same amount of assists. So he's looking when he plays them on that first line with Larkin and, and Bertuzzi. He really shows his true potential. And then another thing, lastly here about the Red Wings, I, I think that Jeff Blaschel is going to be gone at the end of the year. Um, yeah. This year, it's there. There have been games where you see these guys and they're not really even trying. They're not, you know. Last year they were competitive. They were competing in and out through games. This year it's just like you don't see that same competitive spirit, and that's the biggest thing when teams are trying to tank. You want to see the competitive spirit with them losing and you haven't seen that this year there is an option for him a club option I believe but I would be shocked if they extend it through next year I don't think that'll happen um but as far as a replacement I would not shy away from I don't know I'm not sure if anybody knows this guy but Gerard Gallant who was fired by the Vegas Golden Knights a couple weeks ago absolutely shocking that he got fired considering how he brought the Vegas Golden Knights to the Stanley Cup final in their first year of existence, which which is just absolutely amazing. And they're not even doing that bad. They're still in the playoff discussion, which is shocking. And Stevie Y and Gerard Gallant go back to when they both played in Detroit together, and they know each other very well. And he is a great coach. And I think if Stevie Y can convince him, hey, come here, going to take two or three years, just teach these young kids how to play the game, fight, and then I, I hope – I'm hoping that's what happens because I, I have a trust in that coach uh, to get things done. But, no, overall, the Red Wings, they're not in a terrible situation. 
they're not there there is some positive stuff there compared to the tigers as far as i'm concerned they're a lot closer to success than the tigers are it's just again it's going to take time and patience and hopefully everybody else can be as patient and timely as i am because i am dying for a winning team in this city <laughs> but no that's about that's all i got on the wings for uh, for today i couldn't disagree at all um there's really nothing that we can do or see with this season because it's basic. I mean, it was a lost season after about what, like the first month they started yeah, off. Once, once they got the thanks Thanksgiving, I think they lost like they started the year off three and oh, and they lost like 10 or 11. It's like, yeah, okay, here we go. I mean, I mean, fine. Let's maybe the Red Wings had a plan. Get a good start, you know, get everyone interested and then boom, <laughs> just think. Yeah, Eisman well. probably went down after the three and star and said Blashell, hey, I we need we need to start losing. I mean, come on. I'm trying to get Lafreniere over here. Team's not even in a good spot to contend. So Black will stay the rest of the season because Eisman, you know, wants to have the draft pick. So Yeah, another fired. thing, I I I don't think there's gonna be any difference if you fire him now at the end of the year. So yeah. just yeah, just wait. So, I mean, who's the coach from Vegas or that was fired from Vegas? Gerard Gallant. He's, he's I think, very underrated. He was. I mean, hell, he brought the Knights to the finals in the first year. But, no, him, him and uh, Eisenman, they go back. Uh, they both played here in Detroit. So, they know each other. They're good friends. So, hopefully, you can convince them to come here. Maybe he's already convinced them to come here. Like hey, to say, you never know. He may have just said, you're my guy. I want you to be in Detroit, but the thing is, is I kind of need a tank, and I need Lafreniere or the other guy from Canada. So, and and so basically, just chill for the next few months. You already have a job as long after the season. And another thing is, they can assess the roster three, four months in advance, see who they want, who he likes, who they want to trade. You know, all that fun stuff so exactly and another quick thing about that gallant thing is uh you know absolutely shocked that he was fired by the knights you know there have been a lot of firings across the league this year for other reasons as well but he was actually they were on the verge of talking a contract extension near five or six years so i don't know what happened but uh yeah maybe you're right maybe he said hey we got a job opening here for you next summer why don't you why don't you come and uh check it out their loss is our treasure. Yes, so, sir. We'll take it. And so uh, we like to thank all of our listeners for listening to 100%, 100% Sports Podcast. Thanks for all the new viewers. We're basically on every single podcast platform out there. Nathan, got anything to add? Nope, that's it. Uh, rooting for the Chiefs this weekend. Can't wait. Super Bowl 54. See you soon, everybody. All right. See you.